Welcome back to the Tell Us Die podcast. And we are talking about a rest revolution. We're going to be unpacking your still journey over the next several episodes. I'm really pumped about it, you guys, because I believe that you are going to have a revelation that's going to transform your life. So today I want to share with you just a few points about rest to drive in the revelation even deeper. I want to start by sharing with you why this means so much to me, because it wasn't always that I lived in rest. In fact, I had a very carefree life up until about seven years old when my parents divorced. And I know that so many of you have come from broken families and my dad was my hero and he is still so fond in my eyes. I love him so much, but him and my mom split up when I was seven years old. I got divorced and that meant that I didn't see my dad very often. I lived with my mom. Her and I formed a very strong friendship, a very strong relationship, but I really missed my dad. I didn't know that about myself at all. Had no idea that that void was going to affect me. When I went to college, I thought, wow, all these girls are getting a lot of attention and I'm sitting over here sober as designated driver. And I thought, well, you know what? I'm going to have to join these guys. And I started drinking because that's what got the attention. So I leaned on alcohol. I leaned on anxiety. I leaned on stress, but really the alcohol was, is what I used to numb myself. And When you read my book, you're going to be able to capture my entire testimony. But what happened was I hit a massive rock bottom moment when I woke up one morning in college and I had literally hell in my body. If this has ever happened to you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It was a hole that was forever and ever and ever deep inside of me. The greatest thing is this. When I was about four years old, my mom and dad loved the Lord When they were married, they met Jesus, they got filled with the Holy Spirit, and still to this day love Jesus very much. But they did the best thing that anybody could ever do for me, and they introduced me to Jesus when I was just a tiny little girl. And I remember kneeling at my grandmother's bedside and praying and lacing my little fingers together. And they said, do you want to ask Jesus in your heart? And I thought, yes, I do. And I remember it being real. It was real. It was not a pretend thing for me. It was a real thing. And I thought, wow, there's a little man living in my heart. This is really great. (laughs) But I did not go to church growing up after that. And I lived a lot of years uh, being as happy as I could, but I had an element of sadness because I missed my dad. So when this college moment hit and I did not want to die, I did not want to live. It was like hanging on death's door. I had a lot of drinking, a lot of partying, a lot of sadness, a lot of compromising in my um, in all of my morals. And I came to a place where sin had really trapped me in the muck. And so that seed that was planted in me when I was just a little girl sprang to life. And I found myself giving myself back to Jesus and it really rescued me. I'm telling you, it is not a religious thing. I went crawling to Jesus because he was my only hope in that moment. So that began the journey of a relationship with Christ. I did fall in love with him. I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. I thought, whoa, this is This is the best it gets right here. And I ended up getting married to the love of my life, Bob Donnelly. And when we got married, I thought, oh good, I finally arrived. A a man finally wants me. And of course I had fallen in love with Jesus and I knew Jesus wanted me. What I did not know is that 
the unresolved trauma in my heart would follow me into marriage. And we came back from being married, you know, went on our honeymoon, just actually it wasn't much of a honeymoon. It was like stay at a hotel after your wedding type of thing. But we came home and I remember Bob saying, hey, I'm going to go out with some friends. And no big deal, right? So he leaves maybe nine o'clock at night, 11 o'clock comes around, midnight comes around, one o'clock comes around and I am furious. We've been married for maybe three days and I get up in the middle of the night. I go to, I walk to a grocery store that's open all night long and I am stomping around the store. I'm so mad because this guy must think that his friends are more fun than me. He must want to be with his friends more than he wants to be with me. Now I'm saying this laughing right now. Okay. Because what in the world made me think that I was so upset. I felt so rejected. I felt like, how could you be out with your friends? What about me? And you guys, it was one night with him spending time with his friends. But to me, it was rejection. To me, it was, I don't want to be with you, Jenny. So I remember checking out at the store. I think I bought like gum or something because I'd been wandering the aisles and I'm crying and I can't stop sobbing. And the cashier says, oh, honey, what's wrong? And I said, my husband, he's out with his friends. I don't think he wants to be with me. And she says, oh dear, how long have you been married for? And I was like, three days. (laughs) And she goes, "Uh uh-oh. And I just remember leaving the store going, am I ridiculous or is this real? And I suffered for the next few years feeling so insecure about Bob's love for me. I'm talking several years. If he looked at me the wrong way, I thought, you hate my guts. If he said something that wasn't as sensitive, I thought, oh my gosh, you don't love me. And When I say years, I want you to count on two hands how long this went on. It went on a very, very long time. Bob and I went on to build a business that became very successful. But underneath our marriage, I was pretty irritable because I was protecting my heart from rejection. And I interpreted so much of his actions or neglect as rejection. And in reality, he was an amazing husband. So I say all that to say when the Lord invited me into a rest revolution, it revolutionized my life. It revolutionized my marriage. It revolutionized my parenting. No longer when my kids say, I want to go sleep at so-and-so's house. It didn't mean, mom, I don't want to be with you tonight. See, I, I, I used to see everything through the lens of rejection. Let's rewind. Why would that be? Because I had a wound of rejection in my heart. And it is nothing that I would ever blame on my parents. But a person, the divine order of God's family is that there's a mom and a dad and a whole home. If you've come from a broken home, it's very likely that you can identify with what I'm talking about. You can identify with feeling rejected when in fact, maybe you're not being rejected. Maybe when people invite everybody but you, it seems like out to dinner or to the birthday party and you see it on Instagram and Facebook and it's like, I didn't get invited. What happened? And in reality, you're not being rejected, but it feels like you are because that wound is still oozing. So if that's you, I want you to grab onto hope because I came over the other side No longer do I look at 
what people do as something against me or that they're rejecting me. So what we have to do is we have to climb into the arms of Jesus. Do you remember on the last episode, and if you haven't listened to it, please go back and listen to it. But Bob and I revealed the three fears that most fears are probably rooted in one of these three fears. I'm all alone. I don't have anybody to help me. Or number three, I don't have what it takes. Any of those three fears, you want to look at those. So what I had was, I'm all alone. So when Bob went out with his friends, I'm all alone. When I said, hey, Bob, can you help me clean up the house? He's like, I actually have errands to run. Uh Uh-oh, I'm all alone. I don't have any help. When I said, hey, Bob, I have this idea to do something. He says, huh, I don't understand that. I hear, oh my goodness, I don't have what it takes. He must not believe in me. And so what I found was that I had some wounds that needed healed. And so I had to do the hardest work there was And that is to take all of the deceptive fantasies, which is what we addressed in last episode, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse five, we talked about the deceptive fantasies, the fantasy of my husband doesn't want me, the fantasy of my friends are rejecting me, the fantasy of, oh my gosh, I didn't get invited, they must hate me. Those are deceptive fantasies and we have to take those thoughts captive and we have to insist that they bow in obedience to the anointed one. Don't you love that scripture? I hope that you have grabbed a hold of that. So I had to do this hard work of taking my thoughts, these lies and taking them captive and saying, Lord, right now I feel rejected. I feel all alone. I feel like I don't have any help or I just feel I don't have what it takes. Is that true, Lord? Or is that false? And then he had to fill me up with truth. He had to fill me up with love. And what I found out was this, I had to fall in love with the Holy Spirit. I had to get away from people falling in love with me and giving me accolades and giving me the love I really needed that nobody could ever actually fulfill the love I really needed. The love I really needed was from God himself. So part of my journey, I'm going to give you just a few tips, a few things that I did. One of the things that I did is I put my earphones in. We didn't have AirPods back then, but I put my earphones on and I laid before the Holy Spirit and said, I believe that you're here. I don't believe that you've left me. I believe that you are in this room with me and that you want to spend time with me and that you haven't forgotten about me. And I would put on a playlist and the Holy Spirit said to me, Jenny, I'm not going to need your help today. I want you to just receive my love for you. I actually got pretty good at doing religious things like, okay, I'm going to read my Bible to get close to God. I'm going to pray to get close to God. I'm going to serve at my church to get close to God. And all those things are so important for us to be doing. But you know what? I didn't understand how to be. And he said, I am going to take you, Jenny, from being a human doing to a human being. I'm going to take you to being my daughter. Now, I didn't understand how to do this because I am an achiever. I'm like, get the list out. We're going to succeed. We're going to make things happen. And that's just how God made me. But in these prayer moments, I want to tell you what God did. He said, you're going to lay there and do nothing to try to lasso me in. I am going to pursue you. I am going to love on you. And he said, just close your eyes. Let yourself get lost in the worship music. And let me 
pour my affection on you, Jenny. Let me tell you why you're special. Let me tell you why you're unique. Let me tell you why you're likable. Let me tell you why I love you. And it was like these bashful moments of, oh my goodness, he's just like, he's so loving. What's happening right now? And I remember having to discipline myself to not push him away, to not explain him away and just say, okay, Jenny, open your heart and let the love of God come in. And a lot of people now call that soaking. I highly recommend it. Let his love come fully into the receptors of your heart and that will change you. I did this for 30 days straight, 30 minutes a day. And it was hard to not do anything. I thought, shouldn't I have my journal nearby? Shouldn't I have my Bible? Shouldn't I do something? And that was the whole point was he was trying to reposition me to be because he said this to me. Now I want you to capture this. He said, Jenny, you are my beloved. That is your job description. That is what you're to do is be loved. You are not the do-loved of Christ. You are the beloved of Christ, the be-loved. And it took me maybe two years to transition my mind from being loved to try to do something to perform love for God. I hope that something is switching inside of you right now. I hope something is switching over and turning over and you say, hold on a minute. Wait a minute, I can feel the shift. I am to be loved. He told me that my position as a daughter was more important than anything I would ever do for him and that I actually couldn't do something to get closer to him and I couldn't do something to get away from him. And it was just, Jenny, I'm here. And he addressed those three fears. He said, you're not alone. I'm always gonna help you. And even when you don't have what it takes, Jenny, I have what it takes and I live inside of you. So that means you get the power that I have is living in you. So therefore you can do all things. All things are possible for you in Christ, Jenny. And he just convinced me over time as I spent time in his presence and I spent time being, he convinced me over time that I was not alone, that I was loved that he was helping me and he didn't just show up here and there, but it was like this 24 seven friendship, this 24 seven counselor, this 24 seven friend, this 24 seven leader. He was my guide. He was my counselor. He was my comfort. He was my correction. And he said, I will never leave you. I'm here. I will never, ever leave you. I'll never forsake you. So I spent about two years allowing him to convince me of these things. And the first 30 days of those two years were laying with those earphones on, letting the worship just wash over me. And it wasn't like, I'm going to do a religious thing here. I'm going to lay here on the floor and I'm going to do what they call soaking because that's a religious thing. You got to get that out of your brain. You just got to say, I'm going to lay underneath the thick presence and of almighty God that is ever present. And he's true and he's tangible and he's real and he's a person and he is the Holy Spirit. That's really where I wanted to take you today is into a space of receiving the presence, the help, and the power of the Holy Spirit, really addressing those three fears head on because he's committed to you, I'm telling you. I wanna read to you Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 because this really speaks of rest and I want you to really understand where we're headed. 
Matthew eleven twenty eight says, are you weary carrying a heavy burden? Maybe you could answer that question right now. Are you weary? Are you carrying a heavy burden? Then Jesus said this, then come to me. I mean, that's just kind of easy. Then just come to me, he says. I will refresh your life for I am your oasis. Now we have to stop right there because the oasis thing is a big deal. An oasis is by definition, a fertile spot in the middle of a desert. Okay, a fertile spot. Hold up. Are you carrying a heavy burden? Are you carrying a business that's not breaking through? Are you carrying your finances that are unfruitful? Are you wanting a spouse and yet you haven't found that person yet and you just have an ache in your heart, but it's just not coming to pass? Jesus says, hey, you don't have to carry that burden by yourself. Come to me because in me, barrenness ends and fruitfulness begins because he says he's an oasis. That is so powerful. And then in verse 29, he says this, is there instructions? Simply join your life with mine. In other words, he's saying, don't leave me to a Sunday service. Don't just, you know, talk to me on your way to your Bible study. Don't just give me the first hour of your day and your devotional time. He's like, just join your life with mine. Can we do this 24 seven friendship? Can we do the BFF thing? Like simply join your life with mine 24 seven, learn my ways and you'll discover that I'm gentle, humble. And a lot of you need to hear this. He says, I'm easy to please. See, what religion does is it demands us to do better. Do better, and then God will approve of you. If you do better, then God will come closer to you. That is not the gospel. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that we can earn the presence of God. Nowhere. He says he's easy to please. You will find refreshment and rest in me. For all that I require of you will be pleasant and easy to bear. He doesn't say, hey, listen, I'm just going to take your entire load off of you. You go take a break, go watch Netflix, go, you know, there's some cheap tickets into Honolulu, you know, make that happen. Actually, what's happening is God is calling us into assignments. Each one of us, that means you, has a life assignment, several assignments actually, and they can become burdens that are easy to bear. He says, for all that I require of you, there's the key, he does require things of us, will be pleasant and easy to bear. If the assignments that you feel that God has given you feel heavy, not easy to bear, totally stress you out, you're in the right place. I want you to be patient with yourself because we are going somewhere in these episodes and I want you to really take it step by step I want you to look at Matthew eleven twenty eight 28, one more time. Verse 28 through 30, are you weary carrying a heavy burden? Then come to me, I will refresh your life for I am your oasis. Simply join your life with mine, learn my ways and you'll discover that I'm gentle, humble, easy to please. You will find refreshment and rest in me for all that I require of you, all the raising your kids, all the jobs, all the businesses, all the paying the bills, all the house cleaning, all the errands, all the creativity, all the ideas, all the strategies, all that I require of you will be pleasant and easy to bear. Now, this all hinges on the verse that we read prior, which is simply join your life with mine. Let me give you a word picture I think is going to help you. So I was born way before luggage had the pull handle and the wheels. 
some of you remember, we only had a handle. There were no wheels on suitcases. And so we would lug them from point A to point B. And when I say lug, it's like, okay, pick it up, carry it as far as you can until you just have to drop it because your shoulder is like, oh, these are so heavy. And you start thinking about what can I throw out of this suitcase? What can I ditch from this suitcase? Because this thing is way too heavy. What did I pack in here? And then we just set it down for a minute, disconnect from our suitcase and then go, okay, pick it up, keep moving. I want you to imagine that your whole life is in that suitcase. And some of us are carrying our life like that. We're carrying it and we're just like, okay, it's fine. And then we go a few more feet and then it's like, wait a minute, this is stressful. This is too heavy. And then we start reaching for things like irritability. We start reaching for things like, for me, it was sadness. It, for me, it was being irrelevant. I felt irrelevant a lot of the time. I would also reach for stress to push me through and anger. And so many times we're looking for what I call false fuel to fuel our way through this heavy burden called our life. Maybe it's your children. I can talk about children a lot because I have very young kids and I have five of them. And so let's say it just becomes too much. One of your kids wet the bed last night. The other one did not wake up at their alarm. The other one forgot their homework at home and you need to bring it to school. And you're thinking, are you kidding me? And these are the assignments I've been assigned to. God has given me these children and now this assignment feels way too heavy. So what I'm going to do to get through this day is I'm going to be irritable. Irritability is my Chevron station. I'm just going to fuel up with irritability and somehow what's crazy about this, you guys, is somehow these false fuels like irritability, stress, sadness, self-pity, all those things, they kind of get us down the road a little bit. They get us through the fray. They get us through the storm, so to speak. But then what? You look up and you have to do it all over again because life throws you another curveball. It throws you another thing. And so when I'm reading the scripture saying, for all that I require of you will be pleasant and easy to bear, can you say that that's your life? Can you say that that's your day? Well, you are going to be able to say that as you travel with us through this still journey, you're going to be able to say this because you're going to shift your weight. Let's go back to that suitcase. So the suitcase is full of your life. And instead of wishing it all away and still, instead of opening the suitcase and going, well, I don't know why I started that business. It is way too much. I can't even think straight. I don't even spend time with my family anymore. I'm just going to dump it. Even though you thought God gave you the idea, you're now done with it and oh well. And now you have feelings of failure and quitting and you just don't even know what to do with those emotions. But you just shut the suitcase, you lightened your load and you move on until you realize it still feels pretty heavy. You have to open it again. And now it's just a matter of sifting through all the things in your life, throwing things out. Well, somebody along the way had a very smart invention and it was wheels and a pull handle. I mean... I think we walked on the moon before that was invented. Isn't that funny? So now we have the very same suitcase. I want you to put the very same suitcase in your mind. I want you to put back all the stuff that you might have dropped along the way because it was too heavy, too much to bear. Put it back in the suitcase. Put your life back in the suitcase. And now simply join your life with him. That's what Jesus said. Simply join your life with me. And now what we're going to do is we're going to put the wheels on the ground and we're going to pull the handle on the other end. And now we're going to walk with the very same load, I might add. The very same weight is in that suitcase. But guess what? It's not a burden. It's exactly what Matthew 28 through 
30 points out, it's pleasant and easy to bear. You can actually walk for miles. And if you stopped, it's not because the suitcase was heavy. It's because you needed a restroom break. You needed to get some water or you just were at your destination, but you're not stopping because the load on your life was too heavy. So here is what rest is. Here's where we're going. We are redistributing the weight of our assignments that God has given us we're redistributing the weight of our life on to Christ. So when you hear the word rest and you automatically want to think, oh, that just means disconnect. Yep, I need to rest. I need to get away. I need to do Netflix. I need to go to the salon. I need to do all these wonderful things that I do, by the way. But the fundamental, the dimension of rest we're talking about is not disconnecting from the luggage. It's not disconnecting from your life. It's not putting it down to gain some energy. It's redistributing the weight so it's not all on you. See, when you hold a suitcase by a handle and you pick it up off the ground, you are the only one bearing the weight. But when you put the wheels on the ground and you pop the handle out the other side, the weight has shifted primarily onto the earth, onto the ground. And you're just staying connected and pulling it onto your destination. This is a word picture I want you to hold on to because this is where we're headed. I want your life not to feel like you're lugging it around, irritated, aggravated, wishing away the time. I want you to feel like your life is on wheels with a pull handle. And that is the rest that God has promised us. So I'm going to pray for you and... I know that God is going to help you this week. I know that he is going to invite you to come lay before him. He's going to invite you maybe to put on your favorite songs and he's going to say, let me just wash myself over you because what is he doing? He's joining his life with ours. When I was laying before God and I was just, and I still do this, but lying before his presence and saying, I can't do anything to get to you, God. I just receive your presence. I receive your reality. I receive you, Holy Spirit. I was doing what was pointed out in these verses. I was joining my life with his. I was dropping the wheels of my life down. And then here's what happens when you get up from that place and you're just washed and full of his presence. Guess what? You don't feel, you don't feel those three fears. You don't feel that you're alone. You don't feel like he's not helping you and your shortcomings kind of don't matter because he's right there helping you do whatever it takes. He's helping you with a new skill. He's helping you be more creative. He's helping you come up with strategy because he has what it takes. So those three fears that we've been identifying in this last two episodes, they become irrelevant. They become null and void actually because Christ himself has come to help you in the person of the Holy Spirit. I hope that you're so comforted. I hope that you're full of hope. Father God, I just thank you, Lord, for every person that's listening. I ask you, Lord, that you charge them with angels, that angels would actually minister rest to them. And that when we try to lug the suitcase of our life around, we try to lug the children, we try to lug the finances, we try to lug the business, that we say, hold on, I'm not alone. I have help. And I have what it takes because Christ is with me. The Holy Spirit is with me and in me. So I do not fear. I am not alone. Even if I was abandoned by my mother or my father, even if I grew up in a household where my emotions were not tended to, maybe you were in a household that you really weren't paid much attention to. You were like 
more of a, you know, just be a good girl, be a good boy. And, and you were not attended to in your emotions. That means there's a little bit of a void there. That means that you also need father God to come in and just be a father to you. And the Holy Spirit carries the attributes of a mother. And I'm not saying the Holy Spirit's a woman. What I am saying is the Holy Spirit has the nurturing qualities of a mother. And so I just want to bless you with the Father's love. I want to bless you with a nurturing love that only a mother holds, that the Holy Spirit knows that you and I desperately need. And I would also invite you to spend some time with the Holy Spirit, just laying before him and saying, I need your presence and fear has no grip on you in that place. I'm telling you, you will get up from that place and you will feel so empowered. You will feel so aware of God's presence and his help for you. We bless you into rest this week. Be sure to follow us on social media, Instagram and Facebook. You can find us at Jenny L. Donnelly and Robert Donnelly. And also be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss future episodes and give us a rating. Tell us if you love what's happening here and share this with a friend for sure. You can also subscribe to our emails at tetelestiministries.com, which is a little rough to spell. So let me give you a shortcut. It's john1930.com. It's easy to subscribe and we'll be seeing you next time.